Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Morton, and welcome to my podcast, which is entitled A Cup of Joe. This is a podcast dedicated to health and wellness. So we're going to talk about it all, and I love this subject. I'm passionate about it, and I want you to know something. I'm grateful to be a part of your journey. And again, all the different things that we're talking about are going to help you understand that you hold the key and that your success is in your hands and greatness is out there for you. This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Morton and welcome to my podcast, A Cup of Joe. I'm excited today to dive into a subject with Michael Coombs, uh, PhD dissertation that she's doing on trail running. We'll get into this here in a second on trail running and uh, what drives people in trail running and what they can learn from it. It's just fascinating, this subject, Michael. So I'm so glad that you're on this podcast with me today. Yeah. I love trail running, passionate about it. I know you are. You just finished uh, an event recently, I did. You? My very first 50 miler. So I, I'm a baby ultra runner. Wow. <laughs> we live in kind of a bubble area where there are a ton of trail runners here where we live in Utah. And they all run hundreds or more, 250s and... So I'm a baby ultra runner. <laughs> I don't think a 50 miler is not a baby ultra marathon. That's incredible. Congratulations. Which Thank one you. was it? It was the dead horse uh, 50 down in okay. Moab. I haven't done that. It's a good one. Yeah. A lot of elevation. Uh, no, uh, it's okay. I mean, there was some, some climbing, but it wasn't bad at all. Mm -hmm. I love that whole really region. Fun. It's so pretty. Yes. Was the weather good? Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Um, it was overcast most of the day. So it was great for running and yeah. Good, you know, for taking off layers or putting them on as you needed. It was a great day. Wow. That's great. So exciting. And I, we, we have a chance to know each other in the past because yes. I raced with your husband, David, uh, Salt the Saint several times. He was always like our secret weapon. Like the guy was so fast and so aggressive. And when we were like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you know, it's 24 hours basically. Yeah. So tired. Haven't slept. David would just get on that bike and just crank and it was just awesome yeah, to, yeah, he's to got, race with he's got him. the legs for that just, Boy, he's just really <laughs> really strong really aggressive and i was i had the pleasure of being able to um have your special uh cinnamon rolls <laughs> that you like after yeah. <laughs> 24 hours of grinding and pushing and you know depleted of sleep and glycogen everything. nothing better than a oh cinnamon roll topped with <laughs> frosting yeah you came and brought it to the team that was really cool yeah and i have to thank your husband david because he got my son a seasonal job at ups oh, once that's great yeah that was a couple of years ago and mm -hmm. that was really fun good so cool so let's let's dive into this first of all congrats on that uh 50 50 miler yeah, good experience you liked it it like, was great yeah yeah for me um i i always set like an a goal b goal and c goal and sometimes it's time related sometimes it's not. Um, and I did not get my A goal of finishing not in the dark. <laughs> mm -hmm. But for me, there are so many other things that happened during the day that was just, it was just such a cool experience and so many things I was proud of. At the end of the day, for the first time in my life, I felt like I could say, I'm proud of myself for being proud of myself. Just so many mental landscape changing things happening. It, it was just a really neat experience. Um, I, I got to the end of that finish line and just felt like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm enough. I, th th it's just such a neat experience. You should be proud of yourself. That's yeah. incredible <laughs> to say you did a 50 mile. Yeah. Did you do any events leading up to that? Um, no, I, I stuck to that was your a first very one. <laughs> rigorous. Well, no, like in the past. Yes. Okay. I, I've run 50 Ks. So okay. I, I started okay. trail running about five years ago and, 
Um, I'd never run a road marathon, but trails are different. And so I ran trail marathons. I prefer them. Yeah. And, and then just jumped into 50 Ks and I hung out the 50 K distance for a few years. Um, in 2021, I crashed and burned both of my events that I, that I did. I usually do two events a year. <clears throat> and so I took 2022 off to just try and figure out what was going on, what I needed to change and work on. And, and so I incorporated all of, all of those things. I added strength training. Um, I, really worked on my fueling and nutrition, what that meant during trail running as a woman, specifically what I needed. Um, and then there's some other health issues that I wanted to attack and address. And so I feel like I, I really honed in on that, um, during 2022. And so when, when this, uh, race, I figured, well, in 2023, I haven't done any other events. It's time for a 50 miler. (laughs) This is my only event this year. Um, and I, and I found a training schedule and just stuck to it. Like, fly to fly paper. <laughs> that was what I was going to do day in, day out. Um, and it was, so it was really neat to feel all those elements come together on the course. I felt when my running training kicked in, I felt when my strength training kicked in, fueling all day long. Um, you know, and overall, like I didn't want to finish in the dark, but I, I used my headlamp for like the last four miles. Like that's overall, it's, that's okay. That's great. Oh, heavens yes. Yeah. When, did, when was it? Like this was just like a month it was ago. Just, it's just a couple of weeks. Yeah. November 18th, Saturday. You had, yeah. you had the time of year on your, yeah. against you. That right. Too. Daylight savings. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> yeah. that would have been very different if you yes. did that in like you know, yeah. June or July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. Thanks. That's great. Yeah. Um, a couple things that I took out of that, by the way, and I hope that listeners are, if you're, if there's, if you're training for something, you had, you have three goals, which I mm-hmm. love that. Like I yeah. think sometimes people go in and they push so hard and they, yeah. they have to get a PR and it's like their first event or their, you know, and burn, you know, it's best, better to have several goals that Just if you're really feeling it, then push it. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And the other thing I took away from that is you have a, pl- you had a plan, you got yeah. a, you got a training program. Did that include a nutrition plan? Cause you said you dialed in your nutrition. Uh, the, the training plan I found did not, but I had, um, yeah. So I, story time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ready for this. So after I crashed and burned those, those races in 2021, I thought, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out what's going on here. Um, and I had some, this is like still kind of COVID era. And so I was thinking, well, maybe it's like long COVID. I was having some you know, brain fog and mind numbing fatigue. I had some weight gain. And so I was like, what are these all like connected? What's going on here? So I went in for, um, just a, you know, physical, <clears throat> and explaining all these all these symptoms and concerns to a doctor, and he's like, "Okay, let's let's draw some blood." Um, and I said, "You know, the, the other thing that really concerns me about all of these symptoms is I'm really healthy. I run thirty to forty miles a week. I do cross training stuff. I eat pretty well. Um, so I don't understand why why I'm feeling this way in other areas." And <clears throat> so I drew blood. And I went in a week later for the follow-up to review my blood tests. And the first thing he pointed out was I had a really high HDL, which is the good cholesterol. And he said, do you know what causes that? And I said, yeah, exercise, <laughs> exercise and estrogen level and eating the right kinds of fats. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I believe you now. You, you are active. <laughs> and I thought I needed a blood test to, like, I told you I was active. <laughs> that wasn't enough. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, and then the next thing he pointed out was my testosterone was, was lower than a postmenopausal woman. It's just super low. Mm. But again, as a woman, um, I had my blood drawn on my first, first day of my cycle and your testosterone is lowest on the first day of a cycle for a woman. Um, and also I had just been pushing myself, uh, for these events. I just come off these two within a, a month, month and a half of each other, these two really big running events. And I had not been feeling properly and that affects your hormones, um, everything. Yeah. And so he looked at all these things and he said, well, I can prescribe you some testosterone, uh, to improve your husband's sex life. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't wink or, you know, not like a kind of a joke, not that a joke would have made something like that better. Um, and then, so that, like, that was the end of the, of the meeting. <laughs> like I had good high HDL. I could prove my activity level, fitness level, and then he prescribed a hormone replacement therapy to help my husband's quality of life. <laughs> Interesting. And so I left and I was like, no, wait, you know, there's, there's something going on. So I followed, I found another provider and followed up on blood tests with them. And, um, as a, someone who specialized in women's health and all my levels, like my blood tests always come back, you know, biologically, I'm a decade younger than <laughs> my actual age. Um, and it's just still nothing happened. And so the next year in 2022, um, I went back for another physical, met with a different doctor and explained the same things. I'm still gaining weight at this point, And I have no idea why, as well as these other, you know, quality of life issues. I explained everything to the doctor and goes, okay, well, let, let's just refer you out to um, endocrinology. Maybe they can dig deeper and see, see if something else is going on. So a week or so later, that office calls me and the receptionist, the very first thing she says to me is, well, you know, we're not going to prescribe you weight loss pills, right? And I said, uh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Excuse me? She goes, well, your referral says unexplained weight gain. So I just want to make sure you know we're not going to prescribe weight loss pills. And I said, well, I'm sorry that a 20-minute visit with a male provider resulted in this one issue that came across in the referral. I have a list of other things I'm concerned about that I'd like to address that are affecting my quality of life <laughs> and weight loss pills never even crossed my mind. Yeah. I, I've gained weight. I, I'd like to figure out why, because <laughs> I'm pretty active and I feel like I'm hitting all these other boxes. And so I went into that provider as a female nurse practitioner and she looked at my chart and she said, you're taking Zyrtec. And this was in my chart for any other provider to see. And I said, yeah, I take Zyrtec and Flonase every day because I'm allergic to cats. And we have three cats oh, <laughs> because when your kids want something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have not looked into this. I, I haven't researched this myself, but she said, you know, one of two things happen. One, Zyrtec can shut off that messaging from your brain that you're full. So you just keep eating. And I said, no, I'm, I feel full. <clears throat> she said, the other thing it could do is um, turn off the messaging or turn off the flip the switch that tells your body to burn fat. And that's, that was my specific complaint. I wasn't just gaining weight. I was retaining fat. I could see it. And, you know, I close, you know, anyway, things were just different than, you know, two, three years ago. Also during this time, um, I was recording everything I was eating. I knew all the calories that are going in, all the exercise, you know, the output input. So that day I stopped taking Zyrtec and Flonase and within seven, eight months, I lost 30 pounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that worked for my biology. Again, I haven't researched this. I haven't looked into it for anyone else. So that was, I feel like that was, and also the mind, you know, brain fog and 
fatigue that also left. So for me, I feel like that was that was connected as correlation. So that was one big thing I was looking at was how this was affecting my energy level for running. Um, and so I feel like that was kind of checked that box that was addressed. The next thing I went to was fueling. <clears throat> so I met with um, Dan Wilcox at Elite Fueling. And he went over all my Garmin data and I showed him my app where I was recording all my calories. And he looked at that and he yelled at me because I know I was not eating more than 12 to 1500 calories a day. I was recording it all. And he looked at that. He goes, you cannot be an endurance runner on these calories. You're starving yourself. (laughs) It's like, but I'm eating healthy. I eat salads. (laughs) I drink smoothies. He goes, no, you, you, you can't do this. We're going to, we're going to gradually increase what you're eating. And so he gave me this eating plan. And he also taught me, I had never, when I started trail riding, I just had never, like I ate when I was hungry on the trail, but I didn't know the, the science behind how to fuel your body, especially as a woman. And so he said, okay, here's what you have to do the night before your long run, the morning of your long run, how to fuel during your long run, and then after to to recover, help your body recover. And I wasn't doing any of those things. And so I implemented, and then when you get into this, you know, really intense training schedule, um, you're feeling like that, not just for your long run, but every single day, because you need to recover for the next day's, you know, demands. Um, and so I feel like his, his feeling method really, really saved me. And he tailored it because I'm a woman runner, (laughs) trail runner. Um, so I was, you know, the other box checked. And then I knew I wanted to add strength training um, into being a trail runner because that helps with stability and endurance. Um, and so, I, and I knew I want, I also wanted to do it from a woman woman trail runner's perspective. So I found um, Sally McRae, who is a professional trail runner and is a big proponent of strength training. So all during 2022, I got her app, and on her app, she has a 30 day challenge and a six week challenge. And I just did those over and over and over to get my body used to incorporating functional strength with running. So when I hit this training cycle, um, I started in June for this race in November, my body was already used to strength. And so I could then push the miles during this training so great. with strength. Yeah. I did, it, interesting. You brought up about the fueling. We just, I just had Vic Johnson on who's a a coach to help people with their fueling and nutrition mm-hmm. for endurance athletes. First thing he said is generally when he has an athlete come, they're not eating enough. Yeah. And I'm in that category. Yeah. Actually, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And if you don't get that right, boy, it yeah. can affect in so many ways. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't eat anymore. I fuel and I don't, I, I deleted that, you know, calorie app for my phone. Yeah. I don't count calories anymore. I, I, and I guarantee I'm probably eating double, if not double and a half what I was before, but I know Energy it's for levels fueling. Are higher yeah. And, yeah. And recovery is amazing. Recovery is even amazing too, because of the fuel you're giving oh your body. Gosh. I love this. I love this <laughs> I discussion. This is yeah. fantastic. And it's so helpful. And I, yeah. I'm so grateful you brought that up. Now, is that what, what, what drove you in? I'm looking at this dissertation. I had the chance to read this over and <laughs> so nice prepare it. Yeah. I, I love it. What, what interested you in this? Yeah. Honestly, like what drove you to do this or uh, like, is there something that happened? You're yeah. What I'm curious. Yeah. So I'm looking at how women and men trail runners, uh, build self-efficacy and empowerment in their lives through, 
through the medium of trail running in this within this context, then how they transfer it to other life areas. And I I came into this PhD knowing I wanted to look at how running trail running empowers women. Um, Which, by the way, I was personal, very interested yeah. to know there's more data on women. Yeah, at least from what I reading from your from what I found, yes, yeah, than men. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that would be, the, but that's really cool. Anyways, continue on because that was very interesting for me to learn that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I I knew what I wanted to study because of my personal transformative experience myself. And I think a lot of researchers do this. They kind of step into the waters that mean something to them. And so this has had a huge impact on my life um, in terms of feeling grounded, feeling like I have my feet, feeling like I have, I have, I found my voice. Um, And I know I'm not the only one who has felt this. And so I wanted to kind of dig deeper and for your PhD or for your dissertation, you have to do this huge research background and find the, what what research has already been done. So that when you do your topic, you're kind of filling the gaps. You're not saying, oh, yeah, well, my research confirms this. Like, you can't do something that's already been done. And so as I, as I researched and found, oh, this is already known <laughs> that running impacts and empowers women. There is a ton of research out there looking at how physical activity in general, but also specifically running, uh, build self-efficacy and empowerment in women. And there are less, <clears throat> there's less research with men. And I think it's so interesting if, if, so my, my overarching purpose is to identify the elements that men and women respectively use to build these constructs in their lives and then build a, this theoretical model. So I feel like if you can say, okay, here's, here's this model, here's how things are built. Um, just as an example, like going back to my doctor story in when I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my body, um, have you as a man (laughs) ever felt like you've had to prove your fitness level through or had to have a doctor not believe that you're active until they saw this blood test result? Have you as a man ever gone to a provider and said, here are my list of concerns for my quality of life. And they say, okay, well, let's, let's give you something that will help your wife's quality of life in some way. <laughs> Have you as a man ever then, um, what was the third, the third, when I went back to the doctor, um, Oh, about weight loss pills. Yes. Yeah. Call, have you ever called, you know, this, this doctor's office and say, okay, but we're not gonna give you weight loss pills. So I, I think if you as a man have never, that's not part of your lived experience. Um, you don't have those boxes that need to be checked. And I think, I mean, every woman has multiple doctor stories <laughs> that they could tell. Every woman does. There's there's your next po- podcast. Invite a bunch of women to talk about their doctor stories. <laughs> I've got a ton, not just these. <laughs> um, so you as a man may not have those boxes that need to be checked. And so as you're building self-efficacy and empowerment, it's not going to transfer to those boxes that you don't even have that need to be checked. Um, and a, as a woman, being able to say, I feel stronger. I feel like I have a voice. I feel like I found my footing through trail running. As crazy as that sounds, like here's this weird thing, trail running, <laughs> but this has impacted me this way. And as a woman, if I can say, this is what helped me feel like I can self-advocate 
this is what makes me feel like I'm a strong person. Say, no, this is my body. I know my body. There's something going on. I'm going to dig deeper. I mean, that's that's huge for a woman. That adds to her autonomy. And I think as a man, you may not even have those boxes that need to be checked. So for me, I think it is a gendered process. You, you're going to build these constructs differently in your life, and you're going to transform and apply them in different life areas. And I happen to be using gender as the identifier. I think you could just as easily do the same study with race. You know, I have two boys, and I'm never, you know, they were lucky enough to be born to white middle-class parents. I'm never going to have to have that conversation with my boys about how to wear a hoodie in a store or not if, but when they get pulled over, how to address the police officer like a black mother has to have. So I think you could say the same thing about, I could, you, know, you can do the same study saying, well, how do people of different race or ethnicities build self-efficacy and empowerment? In which life areas do they transfer to? I simply don't have those boxes that a black mom does. Mm-hmm. I think you could say the same thing. Um, you could use culture as as your identifier. Um, I was listening to a Head and Brain podcast the other day, <clears throat> and they were talking about how how we can grow from painful experiences. And the researcher was saying, you know, in the United States, we're very individualistic, and so when we think of oh, the growth that that we've experienced from, from this painful experience, we could say, oh, this changed me in this way. This influenced me this way. It helped me progress in such an you know, ABC way. And you could say the same thing. Um, he said someone in China would think very differently. Um, they see growth. Uh, how, does it, how does it add to the national experience? How does it make their nation progress or change? So I think you could do the same study that I'm doing with my PhD with any identifier. <laughs> I just happen to pick gender because I've had a personal experience with it. I've had a transformative experience and, with it. And you bet you in here uh, running with other women. Yeah. Have experiences running with other women. Do you hear that transformative discussion with them where yes. they say, because of this, this is how my life is different and better and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Anecdotally. But you also with, mentioned with about running with some yeah. Guys too. Yeah. But you don't hear that as much. You hear more for the women. Is that well part of your uh experience thus yeah. far? Yeah. So with women, when we have this conversation, women are very quick to say, Oh yeah, I have I have felt strengthened in this way and I apply it in my life A, B, C, D, E, F, T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they very very quick to identify. Um when I've had this conversation with men that I run with, I can think of one friend in particular. He said, But I, I feel empowered too. And I don't out like this is an empowering thing men feel empowered um but i haven't i haven't found any research that identifies how and so that's why i'm thinking okay within the theory of self-efficacy there are internal and external constructs that build self-efficacy in a person and same with empowerment the empowerment theory there are internal and external constructs or things that build empowerment in a person and so if we can identify does someone use internal or external ways to build their sense of self? And is is that a gendered process? Then maybe we can bring that to a bigger, bring this model to a bigger uh, community or setting and say, okay, well, does, does your health intervention include these internal or external elements that would engage a person 
at their identity level. And in mine, I'm saying it at their gender identity level. Hello, everyone. Joe Morton here for a Cup of Joe podcast. I want to say thank you to our sponsor today, King Cool Plunge. These guys are incredible. I love this product that they've prepared. It allows you to be able to get into cold plunging and stay consistent with that. Whatever temperature you want to set it at has a filtration system. It looks cool. It looks amazing. I love their colors. I love cold plunging for the purpose of just overall health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. I love the way I feel when I use it. Helps me become present in the moment, very mindful. There is no way that you cannot be in the present moment when you get into a cold plunge. And King Cold Plunge is a phenomenal product for that. Check them out, kingcoolplunge.com and use the discount code A-C-O-J. King Cool Plunge is spelled K-I-N-G-K-O-O-L Plunge. Their Instagram handle is King Cool Plunge or their website is kingcoolplunge.com. Specifically, you're talking about trail running and ultra running, but does this transform, like, does this the same for road running or are you going to dive into that at all? Is this going to be specific to trail? I'm looking specifically. Personally, at trail I like trail running. Yes, and and I and I get your I get why you would want to go there, but yes. you think that it would transfer as well to road running. A lot of research has been done, mostly with road running, not as much with mm-hmm. trail. There are trail running research articles out there, um, and they usually report their findings as a collective whole. They don't say, "Oh, women said this and men said this, and here are the differences." They report it as a collective whole. Mm-hmm. Um, like the characteristics of trail runners, like perseverance or um, just, you know, the, the, the mental setting of, okay, I, I'm going to maybe the, the mental things I, I say to myself to get myself through hard times on the trail. Um, those sorts of articles report things as a, a collective whole as men and women. They don't differentiate. Um, there is one really cool article I ran across. Uh, this research team was looking at first time marathoners. So a lot of research has been done within the road running realm. Um, I'm specifically looking at trail running, but but this research article is really cool because they did intentionally research with gender in mind and they separated the results. So this um, this team wanted to look at how first-time marathoners built their sense of self-efficacy and also positive orientation. So self-efficacy, again, is this idea of this feeling of confidence that you can do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, positive orientation is how you view yourself in relation to the world, how you see yourself, what you're worth, you know, pursuing all these things. And so they, they had uh, men and women participants and they had their participants take both the self-efficacy scale and the positive orientation scale um, at baseline prior to beginning their training schedule or cycle and then again, within I think 48 hours of completing the marathon, and then again two to three months later. So they had all these, you know, time references of how this activity, marathon, the first time marathon running influenced your sense of self-efficacy and positive orientation. And they've reported and found that in men, men versus women, men started at a higher baseline. So they started with higher self-efficacy and positive orientation than women. And so both men and women, you know, rose, they went up in their sense of self-efficacy and positive orientation after running the marathon. 
but the men's you know slope or their rise wasn't as high because they already started higher. Women was like it's like super steep hill, you know, it was going uphill, super super high. And then after from the marathon to two two three months later, men dropped and women they both dropped, but women dropped at a much slower rate than men. And so the researchers wow. concluded. <laughs> Yeah, they conclude. So, yes, this activity does increase self-efficacy and positive orientation regardless of gender. But the, your baseline to the increase was different. And then how long it lasts was different. And so they concluded that this was a, a phenomenon specific to women, that women transferred self-efficacy and positive orientation. They hung on to it longer. They transferred it to different life areas. And men felt it too, but they concluded, this research team concluded for men, it was like, well, this is just another accomplishment I check off on my list of accomplishments in my life (laughs) as a man (laughs) who rules the world. (laughs) And for women, this meant so much more and it contributed to their sense of self for much longer, Um, which I think was so interesting. Wow. Yeah. it, It is a very gendered experience. So it's not to say that men and women don't or men don't feel this like women feel it, but, but I'm going to de- dig deeper. Oh, but this research team also just did a quantitative study. So they just looked at those numbers of the survey responses and, and did their statistical tests. They didn't have a qualitative arm. So they didn't then follow up and say, let's do interviews with these participants and see exactly why, like, why is this going on? What life areas are these women transferring these, these things to? So I'm, I'm going to include that in my study too. I'm, I'm doing a quantitative side or phase where I will have people fill out a survey <clears throat> so I can run those nerdy statistical tests <laughs> and see if there are relationships between things. Mm-hmm. But but then I want to do a qualitative phase as well and, and follow up with interviews and just kind of dig deeper. And now th- those studies were done with road racing. Yes, first-time and marathoners. First-time marathoners. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to go into – I'm really fascinated to see how this comes out because I personally like, like, uh, I started road running. I think, Uh, did you road run at the beginning? Yeah. You started with, and I liked it. Yeah. Go onto the trail though. It's like, it's a different experience. It is. I think it's a different experience. I think it's, uh, um, it's more peaceful. It's more, more in, um, you can become a lot more present. Yes. And in the moment on a trail, I believe. Yes, I agree. Um, not dodging traffic, which is kind of nice. And oftentimes I don't even listen to music. Yeah. Like, uh, I, if I'm running on, running on the road, I'll listen to music and you get out on the trail. It's just like, it's so peaceful. You yeah. Know? You just want so to I'm breathe. interested to see yeah. how that yeah. works with, with trail. And that's first timers. I'm wondering, this has nothing to do with your stuff. I'm wondering if the, because I've, I've read this quite a lot. If you're going to run a race, the time to sign up for the next race is right after that race. I've heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like on this high. <laughs> yeah. You're on this high. And so yeah. then it gives you the chance to work towards another goal. You mm-hmm. just accomplished this amazing goal, whatever that might've been. What's the next one, you know? Right. So, and I, and I wonder if that has part to do with it, but I'm sure yeah. you'll come up with a lot of we'll great see. stuff. <laughs> so in your, in your, this is <clears throat> so, so interesting. I'm loving this. In this, um, you have, there's a section here that ACEs. Yes. The ACEs. Yes. The ACEs. Adverse child experience, childhood experiences. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause this maybe explain yeah. what this is. And I was just, 
because I find I because it says here that no studies were found describing men's experience of such impactful trans uh, outcomes from running. But for me, this is a big thing. I think not that I don't know if I had childhood trauma. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I love it. I love it. To me, it's a way to be able to escape. Right. You know. Talk, talk about that ACEs a little bit. Yeah. So the ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And this was first developed in the late 90s by Felitti and his research team. And he was actually originally working with his original study. He was working with um, <clears throat> women. I think he was in Southern California who wanted to lose weight and they would lose weight or and all come back or they couldn't lose weight at all. And so he just started talking to these women and discovered that they all had one common denominator, that they had all experienced some sort of trauma, whether physical or sexual abuse or some sort of trauma in their childhood. And and that's associated with weight gain? Is that well in 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 his original study, that's okay, happened that's, to be the population that he was you. working with. I got you. And and this was with white, predominantly white, uh, college educated middle class women in California. And so he developed this questionnaire to determine um, how much childhood trauma you experienced in your in your childhood environment, and that whether that was physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, parents or caregivers in the home who drank or did drugs or were incarcerated, what sort of what level um, of of traumatic events or instability were you exposed to in your childhood, and um, and then he went and, and took that survey and interviewed tens of thousands of other people. So his, I think his original like catch fire idea started with this group of women, but then it went huge. And, um, and then the CDC got involved. And, <laughs> and so now we, we can directly relate your ACE score to your long-term health outcomes whether that's weight, asthma, um, wow. likelihood of of um, drinking, smoking, doing drugs, really suicide, they're all yeah. Depending on if your ACE score is zero to three, four to seven, eight or more, we can tie that and link that to very specific long term negative health outcomes. Would eight or more be higher end of the right? Okay. Right. So the higher score, the higher the score, the more negative the outcome. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, so there's since been so many other research angles using the ACEs in, in preventive health measures. Um, there's this really cool uh, pediatrician, um, Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris. I think she's now the general attorney in California, but she found this study in her, and incorporated it in her pediatric practice um, in the early 2000s. Uh, where she started interviewing the parents they, they bring their children in for their well checks every few months. And she started having the parents fill out this ACE score. And, um, based on the ACE score, she would then create these interdisciplinary health teams as a preventive health measure for these children within her practice, which is amazing. Um, and, I mean, so many other research, so many other research angles have been done with this. Um, and it shows that um, not only your ACE score influences negative health outcomes. There's another article I found that talks about uh, 
the buffering effect of of having a stable childhood, <laughs> um, or the, or if you're in an unstable child, unstable childhood, what about these other buffering effects of things that are stable or things that do help you? How does that uh, help you out with your with your ACE score and your health outcomes? Um, so there's so many different research angles um, incorporating the ACEs, but I've never run into a study where they have taken the ACE test, uh, just the list of 10, 10 questions, and had the person fill it out and then make correlations between that and trail running. Mm. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I'm going to see if there is a, a correlation, a relationship between your ACE score and your self perceived level of self-efficacy. Because what was going through my mind is the amount of times I've heard from just over the years, trail runners like, and, and is it joking? Is it Layla's like, I'm kind of running from my demons, you know, Right. you know, have you, if you may have heard that before. Oh, definitely. And that's what was going through my mind is you ever, have you ever studied any uh, Edgar Tolley? No. Oh, I love, love his work. But in, in his, in one of his books, he talks about how oftentimes we're, we'll dive into any, just lists a whole bunch of things. Trail running is just one of them and mountaineering yeah. and rock climbing. And we're a way to be able to just force ourselves into the present moment so that we can, yeah. Cause we're kind of running away from something or it's yeah. interesting. Um, have you ever read the nature fix by Florence Williams? No. She looks into this idea that humans need nature for healing, for you know, to be able to process things, for creativity, for I productivity. Yeah. And so she, she talks about, there's uh, these groups of people that go on this, like they raft down the green river. And so, and she just like this research team looked at the effects of being in nature, biological effects on these groups of people that had trauma in their lives. And so one group is this group of women survivor sex workers who got out of being a sex worker. And the other group was um, veterans with PTSD. And it's so interesting floating down the river, like what they, what these each, you know, respective groups needed, what this meant to them to be on a river, on a raft in nature <clears throat> for, um, oh no, excuse me. It was the, the veterans were going down the raft on the river and the, the former sex workers were doing a backpacking hiking trip in Colorado. So for the veterans floating down the river, they needed this sense of being part of a team, being being able to trust and depend and rely on the people around them. Um, and that helped them alleviate these feelings of PTSD for the former sex workers. They were hiking and bad weather came in, um, a really bad snowstorm came in and the counselor over that group decided that they needed to not set up their tents and stay overnight in a potential snowstorm. They went and found a lodge and stayed there because sex workers disassociate from their bodies and they sever that connection between mind, body, heart, and soul in order to, to do their work. And so women needed this experience where they could stay connected with their bodies while in nature and be wholly present um, in order to feel the healing that they needed. Um, and yeah, it's same with trail runners. I, I hear that mm. all the time. Someone is not running from their demons, but like it's a time and place where you, it demands that you are so present mm -hmm. and you can process things there in a way 
Like you're not even consciously, okay, at the trailhead, I'm going to process this demon. I'm going to work through this trauma today. Like it just happens. It happens. (laughs) It does. It's magical. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's such a beautiful experience for me. And I know you just listening to you sound like you have a very similar, you know? Yeah. I love, I love that about trails and nature and wilderness. Um, and the, these, the therapy that can come from that. Yes. You know, just that experience. I love it. I love it. Now, um, so, oh boy, this is, this is, (laughs) this is interesting because I, as I was going through it, I realized I do use, so I know that you mentioned in here that there's not a lot of data that men will say, Hey, this is how it transfers for me. Yeah. But that's kind of something I've figured out on my own. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not a part of any study. Just, yeah. hey, for me, it's highly therapeutic mm-hmm. in my own way. And I love to disappear onto a trail. I love to disappear and just experience nature, like you said, go into nature um, and just have that moment with myself. And sometimes with other people too. And I love right. that too. Like right. You can have great conversations out on trails. It's amazing the things yeah. that come out. Yeah. And people just trail therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where we just talk. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a yeah. beautiful experience for humans to just talk. Right. Don't have any other type of cell phones or anything. I mean, maybe you're holding a cell phone, but that's not associated with it. You're right. just you talking. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's without question, this is an empowering experience. It's a transformative experience. It's, it's something that definitely builds your sense of self. Um, and you do transfer it to other life areas. Um, whether, I'm not questioning that that happens with men or women. I'm just saying I haven't found the research article that has reported that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I want to dig deeper. Yeah. Say, so, yeah, this does happen for men. The same it, as women, this experience happens, but the way it happens differs. Um, and so I, I want to explore that. I love it. I'll let you know what I find. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. And you've got, you're doing a, a survey. And yes. tell tell the listeners how they can take the survey, be a part of it to help you with your dissertation yeah. and as you're collecting data. Yeah. So my survey Where to go, is like running. What's your... Yeah, it's for it's running for eight weeks. So it's currently live and it will run through the end of December. Um I have a recruitment flyer that has a QR code or the survey link on it that I'll give you and we can send yeah, out. Yeah, we'll put that on the podcast. Yeah. Um and so it's just a, a link to the survey it held on, on Qualtrics. And uh, there are some screening questions to make sure you meet my inclusion criteria. And then it's about a 10 minute survey. And um, at the end of the survey, you can provide your contact information if you'd like to participate in an interview as well. So the survey is phase one of my research. I'll do all the nerdy correlation statistical tests. And uh, and then the, the interview is part two um, or phase two of my dissertation. And I'll, I'll just talk one-on-one with you, dig a little deeper into your experiences. Um, I'm also incorporating another qualitative research technique called photo voice. So I, I'm going to ask you to provide your top three most favorite uh, trail running photos. Oh, <laughs> then we'll talk about their meaning and significance to you. Um, so I've got that recruitment flyer. I'm posting everywhere I can on all the trail running sites I can think of <laughs> on social media. Um, I've I've had three or four uh, race directors send send out by via email or social media to their subscribers for me. 
Um, currently, I still need a hundred plus uh, responses. So I would love to have you take my survey if, if this uh, has touched you in some way, this conversation, and you feel like you want to participate, that would be awesome. <laughs> yes, for um, sure. I'm on, I'm on, fa- I, I don't check Facebook as much, but I'm on Facebook, Michael Coombs, um, Instagram is Beefcake Amazon Woman. <laughs> I heard that on that. I was listening to a podcast that's that you were on. Yeah, that's interesting. You got to yeah. explain that story. Well, I, I mean, you can't I take yourself that. too that's... seriously with your Instagram handle, right? Like I take myself way too seriously in so many other ways. <laughs> it's like your Instagram handle, whatever. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like trail runners have a little bit more meat on their bones than road runners. I'm kind of beefier. <laughs> you you stand me next to any other cute little runner. I'm gonna look like I can eat them for a snack. <laughs> I'm just I'm just heads and shoulders taller and just kind of I've got that Eastern European babushka <laughs> physique. I'm just built to work in the fields all day. <laughs> so that's the beefcake and Amazon woman. Um, oh, how fun. <laughs> and you can, you can follow, they can follow you. Oh on, yeah. I'd yeah. Love it. Yeah. So I have, I have the link in my bio on Instagram and, and Facebook. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So we're runners. We'll, call, we'll, f- we'll finish this off with some, by the way, I've really enjoyed this podcast. This is me too. Thank you so really much for your been time. fascinating for me. I feel very fortunate to be able to read oh, your notes, you. your dissertation, um, on your dissertation. And I'm excited to, um, know more as time goes on. So this has been yeah. a wonderful experience. So thank you for thank you. joining a couple quick rapid fire, just fun questions from uh, one runner to another. Okay. Do you have a favorite place to run, like a favorite set of trails or this is your, this is your hood here. I mean, yeah. while you were training for that 50 miler or any of the events, do you have yeah. like a special trail that you love that you love to disappear onto? Oh, I do. You know, this is another thing I was thinking about. Um, I just, I don't transfer anything else in my life the way I do running. Like I don't, I don't say to myself, wow, you know, I've, I've lived in two different countries and and I've learned those languages to be fluent enough when I live there. Like, I feel like I'm enough. I don't, I don't say that to myself. And, or, you know, I've been therapy for a few years. I can, I can handle hard things, throw it at me. But, but I transfer running. Like I, I tell myself, you know what it feels like to have hit the wall on a race and you still, you know, there's one way back to the car, <laughs> you put one foot in front of the other. So if you figured that out, you can figure out this PhD biostats class that scares the socks off you. You can do it one step at a time. Or I bring running into therapy with me. You know, it's when my therapist says, okay, let's visualize your favorite calm place. I'm not lounging on a beach. I am on one of my most favorite trails here in the the Wasatch mountain range. And I've got the sun out and my pack on my back and the cadence of my feet hitting mm. the dirt. Like you smell it, you you feel it. Every trail runner right now. Yes. Yeah. So for sure, I I live in South Utah County, and so I go up Payson Canyon. Mm. Those are my my favorite trails. When I first started trailing, I a lot of my friends are are kind of North Utah County, so I I come up and meet them up here around Temp. So running the foothills of Temp. Um, Payson Canyon. But I have to say, I I just love I love Nebo. Uh, mm. This will annoy some people, but I will take Nebo over Temp any day. I love Nebo. Hey, it's, it's high. <laughs> yeah. And if you're riding a bike, yeah. I'm sure David, uh, yeah. that's a, that's an aggressive ride. Yeah. It's long too. Yeah. The, if you do the whole loop. Yeah. yeah. But the, just to the top, it seems like it never ends. It just keeps going. It yeah. keeps going. <laughs> keeps going. That's great. Yeah. It's a beautiful mountain. I've never, I've never ran that one, so I can't, 
You, yeah, okay, so, I'll take you there someday. Uh, we'll do love it. Love to. I'd love yeah. to. Um, favorite time, favorite season to run? Oh, probably the summer. I just, I love this. I love early. I'm up with the sun, down with the sun. So I love early mornings. I love just that you get to be part of the magic. Mm. Um, you're, maybe you're on the mountainside just at the right time when the flowers are blooming or you get the sunrise just at the right time. You just get to sometimes be part of the magic. So I, for me, it's summertime. Fall is stunning, but we only get like two or three weeks of the leaves and then it's, and then it's sad. <laughs> Those mountain flowers, I have to agree. Yes. So for me, it's, it's hands magic, down summer. Just yeah. magical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been wonderful, Michael. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for joining. And I'm just so excited to follow your work and your research. Me too. (laughs) Let's get this done. (laughs) uh, We'll have to have you back on again as you collect more data and as you get into your PhD. So thank you. So thank you everyone for joining. Again, my name is Joe Morton and this is A Cup of Joe. We have Michael Coombs with us today uh, with her PhD research on uh, trail running and transferring trail running to our lives. And it's just been a wonderful discussion. Thank you for joining and appreciate you being here on a cup of Joe. And I encourage you to share this with someone who you feel could use this great information from Michael today and looking forward to having you on our next joining on our next episode. Make it a great day.